And welcome to episode 122 of the Lace Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. The NHL playoffs continue, and uh, we might have a Game 7 on our hands uh, in a couple of days. Uh, One of the questions we're going to ask in our main topic is, which of four series, which of these four series is likely to go seven games? Uh, We have Pittsburgh-Philly, although it should be noted that uh, those two teams are squaring off as we're recording this, so you might know the answer to that. Uh, same thing with uh, Nashville versus Colorado. They're going to be playing later today. Uh, we have Toronto-Boston. Uh, that's going to happen Monday night. And then um, uh, what's the other series? Jeez Louise, I'm forgetting about it already. Uh, <laughs> Boston-Toronto. Uh, right. Washington-Columbus is the other one. Yeah. Oh, so uh, they'll be uh, playing game six in a couple of days. Washington's up 3-2 there. Um, after a big overtime win uh, in Game 5. So we'll uh, talk about those four series. We'll talk about the four series that have wrapped up, uh, the teams that have been eliminated, what happens to them. And in the rapid fire, we've uh, started to find out who's being uh, nominated for what award. Uh, we don't know the big one, the Hard Trophy, just yet, but uh, we'll tackle that next week. Uh, we do know the nominees for awards like the Vesna and the Norse, so we'll tackle that as well. Um but first, like we do with the start of every show, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia, the NHL Centennial Edition. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? I am, yeah. Okay, so at question 11, here it is. How long did it take Maurice the Rocket Richard to break Nell Stewart's record, his famous NHL career 324 goal record, after Richard potted his first league goal? you want me to read the question again? Because that was pretty wordy. Yeah, I thought it was a multiple. I thought these are multiple choice. Yeah, they are. Okay. But so, I, okay. I'll, I'll read it again. How long did it take Maurice Richard to break Nell Stewart's famous NHL career 324 goal record after Richard potted his first career NHL goal? Okay. You're, okay. So here are your options. A, exactly 324 games. B, exactly 500 points. C, exact 2,500 shots. Or D, exactly 10 years. That's tough. I don't, I feel like I just have to guess here. Uh, Yeah, this is a total guessing game. um, It's probably not games. Wait, what was the second one again? The second one B, exactly 500 points. Yeah, I might go with that one. Let's go with B. Correct answer was D, exactly 10 years. Uh, That's a tough one. That's a very, very tough one. So I guess your uh, hopes of getting a consecutive win streak on these questions will have to wait a couple more weeks. I was getting hot, right? Yeah, yeah, you got last week's. Uh, I got last week's. Uh, I usually don't. Unfortunately, you missed out on this one. So. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so Brett's gonna try and get back on track. Uh, but until then, let's get on with the show. And now it's time. To lace them up, here's Brett and Steve. Okay, so as Steve mentioned to start the show, we don't have, uh, well, 
I mean, we're we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. In fact, the Penguins-Flyers game is going on at this exact moment right now. So, um, so the a lot of these um, things we're going to be talking about could already have happened, and all this discussion could be pointed mute. But we can. Uh, so we're going off of everything since Saturday uh, to start things off. Um, just to clarify everything, in case you guys are confused, you're like, in case like the Penguins and the Predators win tonight, which is possible, which of course is very possible. Well, um, it's actually uh, the Penguins and Flyers are happening right now, and I can tell you that is one nothing Philly within the first couple of minutes of oh, the game. Uh, Couturier scored unassisted 215, and Pittsburgh hasn't registered a shot on goal, and uh, Patrick Hornfist for a third straight game is MIA what? for Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway. So, so we can do one of those things where we can update the game as we go we'll do, along. We'll, yeah, we'll do fun. that for sure. Um, but yeah, anyways, the uh, we won't know the full score or the, you know, um, we won't know that um, result until the end of this time because uh, we could have two series to deal with um, yeah. instead of four. So, because we do have four series, I thought we'd actually have less series to talk about on uh, on Sunday then, um, but we didn't. Um, Washington, so there are four series that are still left, as Steve mentioned at the start of the show. Washington, Columbus, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Uh, Washington has a 3-2 lead on Columbus. Uh, Pittsburgh has a 3-2 lead on Philly. On, on Philly. Uh, Boston has a 3-2 lead on Toronto, and Nashville has a 3-2 lead on Colorado. So, um, my favorite part about the playoffs um, is, well, overtime is awesome, but also uh, when they go to Game 7, because it's just like all the stakes are on the line. I hope the Boston-Toronto game doesn't go to 7, but it's probably going to go to 7. Um, so we can, I guess we can just do this one by one and, and talk about if any of these series will go to seven. So we're going to yeah. start with, uh, Washington Columbus, because this is just the order I have. Uh, but, uh, all this series has been the closest of the four that are still alive because they've all gone to overtime. Um, one went to double overtime. Oh, actually, never mind. The um, game four went uh, was wasn't in overtime, but um, there are four of the five games have gone into overtime. Um, but um, Columbus has kind of st- stuck with it, um, and even to the point where uh, Tortorella says that said after last night's game uh, when they lost. Um, they said that they'll be back in Washington for Game Seven, so it's almost like a guarantee that he he thinks that they're gonna um, bring them to Game Seven. Um, so we pull the Messier, basically. Basically, yeah, but he's the coach, um, and uh, and this is Washington we're talking about. It kind of a you know surprise, surprise. One saw Holtby. Was uh, in net uh, the uh, the Capitals started winning games. It's kind of a 
amazing that this happens like that. Uh, I'm joking, of course it, of course it happens because uh, Holtby is uh, pretty good um, at his job. Um, but he plays on the Capitals. Well, yeah, but I mean the Capitals are a good team um, because they of them. are. But in key situations in the playoffs, though, that's that's yeah. that's probably why I think he made that prediction because he's just like, okay, if I'm going to get away with a prediction, it might be against this team. Uh, no, I think it's just, uh, Tortorello, like, I don't know, I feel like it's Tortorello, it's like, he wants, he believes in his team, that's really why he said that, it wasn't because he, he actually believes that they're, they're gonna win on Monday, I think. I, I do find it funny, though, because, uh, I don't know if you remember in game four, but after they yeah. lost game four, he actually made it very short, he didn't want to talk about the outcome of the game, he said, we right. sucked. Yeah, <laughs> he goes from that to we're gonna be back in Washington for Game Seven. Don't worry. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, I do want to talk about how like both Kuznetsov, Backstrom, and Ovechkin have like definitely picked it up like they were supposed to do. Um, it's just, I guess, just the after those first two games, they just started to realize like, oh, we actually should play to our potential. Um, and actually uh, win some games. So, yeah, so Kuznetsov has seven points now. Backstrom has eight points. Um, Ovechkin has six points. Um, in all, the, all of these in five points. Uh, all of these in five games. And John Carlson has eight points, seven assists um, in the five games. And, in fact, TJ Oshie has three goals as well. So, um, like, it, it was interesting how... I remember when we recorded last week, we had, um, we were saying how, like, you know, Washington needs to figure things out because they lost two games on home, and, you know, all of a sudden they just start winning. Um, I mean, I guess it's purely because of Braden Holtby, um, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know if, like, I know Steve is more of a firm believer in, um, history has a has an effect on these things. It's like you just can't trust the Caps, which is true to some extent. But at the same time, this is you know the, they still have their core together, um, and they're a good team. They're, I mean, like they make the playoffs every year. They're consistently in the playoffs every year, so um, they are a good team. I I actually don't think it's going to go seven. This this series going to go seven. I feel like the Capitals have it figured out. Um, at this moment, um, although Columbus has been playing them tough, I don't think it's going to go so. Well, when Columbus went up to nothing after that magical ending in OT in game two, where Bobrovsky absolutely just stole a game from yep. Washington, I thought the Caps were on the ropes and on the verge of choking again. But ever since Brayden Holtby came in in game five, he's look, not only uh, played three. well, he's looked like himself. Yeah. Like, in game, um, I can't remember which game it was, but there was one game, I think it was game, I want to say game five, or uh, game four, where he uh, surrendered one goal in an outing. The first time he had done that since mid-November, which is absolutely staggering to me. And uh, he, I think he's really turned the tide in this series ever since he came in, because in those two games where they lost, they need a group hour to make a save, and it just didn't happen. And Bobrovsky was making all of them at the other end. Brayden Holpe, 
just needs to be himself. He doesn't have to steal a game. He just needs to be himself. Yep. And I think Washington has that advantage. You're right. I think I think the pressure is more on Bobrovsky because if he makes one too many mistakes, his team is donezo. But yep. I've got that belief factor. I think they believe in one another, and in the year of the dog, anything can happen. Um, I can really see something magical happening, and yes, it's Washington, so that also helps Columbus's cause. But I think this team has the pieces to force a Game 7 and win a Game 7 in Washington. And, and to all those who say they can't do it, They've won in Washington twice. They came home with a 2 nothing series lead. Is it their fault they didn't take advantage of it to an extent? Yes. This has got what it takes to still pull the, my prediction. I think it does go 7. I think Columbus pulls it off. Okay. Well, I guess we disagree here. I, I do think it's been closer than we've made it seem, but at the same time, I just, I don't know. I feel like they figured it out. Um, I, I will say that there is that Bobrovsky factor where he does have the capability of going off and, you know, that's going to be the, the deciding factor in both these two games. But um, at the same time, I feel like the Capitals have figured it out at this moment. Um, I think also, um, and you're right about Bobrovsky, I think he's got to be better than Braden Holtby in order for this to happen. Yeah. I also think the Jackets need to make it tougher on Holby in front of the net because mm. if he's seeing the puck, he's stopping it, plain and simple. Oh. And there was that uh, stretch of hockey in Game 5 where I think it, the shots were like 16-1 to 1 for Columbus. They need more of that in order to pull off a comeback. So a lot of things need to go right, but I have faith in Columbus that they can do it. Uh, speaking of goalies, let's go to the next series, uh, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Um, again, this game is going on right now, so... Um, we don't know exactly, um, we don't know the final of it, but it looks like... Uh-oh. Pittsburgh's up 2-1 now. Jeez, okay. Um, wait, so, uh, do you know who's in net for that? Yeah, uh, I'm going to look at it through my Nervous. trusty uh, Google. Uh, Matt Murray for the Penguins, six stops on his uh, first seven shots that he's faced. Yeah. Uh, Crosby and Hagland are the goal scorers in that one, and Michael Neuberth is in that for Philly. Two goals against on five shots already. Yeah. Um, so, so this has been an interesting series because um, so they Brian Elliott was the goalie for the first four games. He stunk, mm-hmm. um, and then um, so then they put in Michael Neuberth, which I'm kind of confused about too, is because like if you have what happened to Peter Morazic? Um, yeah, I know. It's just like you know, <laughs> yeah. he's the guy that got you into the playoffs, yeah. and now he's now he's just like the third wheel. He's just he's yeah. just in the press box, just watching. Right, because I'm just thinking like like how bad is Peter Morazic that like they got him in a trade, um, and then he kind of helped them get into the playoffs. Um, I mean, I guess to be fair, the you know Elliot and Nervous were injured for a, a long term, but... Um, and they you know, probably wanted to stick with their guys um, the rest of the year, and true. they probably felt that a, that a rested Neuberth could be better use for them than yeah. a guy like Morazic, okay. who's been worked pretty hard uh, until Elliot came back from injury, like in the final week or so. Right, right. But, I mean, I don't know. It, it was kind of weird. Um, but anyway, so they were kind of forced on the ropes, um, 
And uh, for Game 5, they put in Michael Nervis. They also got Sean Couturier back. Uh, your favorite player, Radko Gudis. I always say your favorite player because I know he's yeah, not your favorite player. It's, it's, <laughs> it's odd how uh, Radko Gudis, you know, tries to help his team and then he ends up hurting yeah. probably their top-line center. He injured, uh, he injured uh, Sean Couturier. Um, so he was out for Game 4 and they, they were... Um, they kind of hurt their team, their chances, because they got shut out. Um, it was also on the day, which we'll get to in a minute, but it was also on the day that he was nominated for the Selkie, John Couturier. So um, it was an interesting choice there. Um, and then, um, so anyways, they get Sean Couturier back for Game 5, um, and then all of a sudden they start winning, and in fact, Sean Couturier gets the game-winning goal in the third period, Um and Michael Nervis is also playing, so that was the other change that they made. Um, so then they kind of look good um, here. And then, um, so now it looks like this This seems like, I know it's it's um, easy to say this at this moment, because it is, I know it's 2-1 Pittsburgh um, in the middle of the first period at the moment, but this feels like Pittsburgh just has it in the bag. Um, and they're gonna they're gonna win this game in six. Um, I don't think this it goes in seven. I I feel like their goaltending is way too sh- Philadelphia's goaltending is way too shaky. Um, where, it's like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're gonna get. Exactly. And um, and where has Claude Giroux been? Um, he's kind of been invisible. Um, and also, uh, Jacob Voracek has also kind of been invisible. Like, a lot of their play, The only player who's really stood out is Sean Couturier. Um, and he has played one less game than everyone else on this Flyers team. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to say that the Penguins have, have this in the bag. Um, I hope this does go with seven, but I just don't think it will. Yeah, because you just want to watch the world burn and watch Pittsburgh lose, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure a lot of people do. And I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't be the most disappointed person in the world if they lost either, because they yeah. won it two straight years. Uh, but I, I do think Philly's goalie uh, situation is just too inconsistent to to really say they're going to force a Game 7, especially when you consider that uh, the road team has won in five straight in this series. Uh, or uh, in four straight, rather. Uh, game one went to Pittsburgh at home. Flyers won game two on the road. Three and four on the road in Philly in a rather convincing fashion. And then uh, game five, uh, they get a late goal from Kachuri, the Flyers do, to force a game six uh, back at home in Philly. And uh, Pittsburgh's the one out in front. And uh, Neuverth looked, to his credit, pretty good in game five. Made a lot of great saves, but... You know, you look at game two and uh, the way Elliott was playing, and then you look at game four, and the Flyers get like six chances in like 90 seconds. The Pens go the other way, and a fluky goal goes in on Elliott, and all of a sudden the Penguins have a 2 nothing lead. Yeah. The Flyers need timely saves in their goaltending. Their goaltending needs to be better than the goaltending at the other end from Matt Murray, and I really think that's a tough pass, so... I think the odds are heavily in Pittsburgh's favor. I'm not rolling out the Flyers' odds of 11. But even if they force a game seven, I don't think they're going to win this series. So yeah. um, I think it's Pittsburgh's series to lose at this point. I think if if uh, 
if Pittsburgh loses, it's going to be on. It's going to be their own undoing because Sidney Crosby at one point in the series had more points than the entire Flyers top line. Right. If that if that doesn't speak volumes, I don't know what does. Yeah, I feel like if the Flyers are to uh, win this game in Game Seven, it is Claude Giroux has to step up. He was, yeah, you know, he was considered like it wouldn't be surprising if he won the heart. You know, if he got nominated for the heart, because he, you know, he got he ended up second in points in that in um, at the end of the season. Um, and all that, and he pretty much willed them into the playoffs. Um, but now he, he's just a no-show um, here, and he has to step up. Um, so I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling you out, Claude Giroux. Uh, you have to step up. Um, so uh, let's go to the next. Let's go to the next series: um, the Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so uh, the last we left off. The uh, the Bruins had beaten the Toronto Maple Leafs seven to three, and then they were off uh, to Game Three. Um, this was uh, Game th- Three was when um, what was uh, that was when basically uh, Freddie Anderson stole the show. Boston's oh, yeah. top line was pointless, and Matthews gets a game winner and right. uh, gets a much. That's right. Uh, Matthews, I, I remember in the last in the last week's episode, the series um, really. I remember in the last week's episode uh, where we uh, we were talking about how I was like calling out Matthews because he was he was also kind of invisible, kind of like Claude Giroux. Um, and you're, then, you're also kind of praying that he wouldn't hear you because yeah. Toronto's too good to be this bad in the first two games. Exactly. So I ate my words there, and I kind yeah. of expect I kind of knew that would happen. Um, yeah. So so they did win Game Three, but what I didn't expect was in Game Four when uh, like a, about like ten minutes before the game was to start. We find out that Bergeron has a lower body injury and he's day to day and he's not playing for Game Four. So you're like, oh god, this just this means that this is, this series is going to be tied. Um, yeah, golden opportunity. Yeah, for exactly. Because um, you're at home. I mean, sure, you don't have Nazem Kadri, and sure, um, you know the Bruins are still a good team. And um, people forget though that when the Bruins like Bergeron missed a couple of games. Um, during the season, and the Bruins were really hot at that point. Like they only lost like two games, I think, when Bergeron was yeah, out. Yeah, they're eleven five and two without Bergeron in the lineup this year, if I remember yep. correctly, prior to this game. And um, anyways, uh, I think they didn't understand that Tuka Rask is a, was a brick wall, um, <laughs> pretty much, or that uh, yeah, he's like actually a top, like a top ten goalie. Yeah, he, was, he, he might he might just be a top ten goalie, and he can steal games. Um, so, uh, so that kind of shut people up, um, although, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the next game, because, uh, then <laughs> the critics have it, every right to, uh, critique Tuca on that play, but, um, yeah, so, uh, Tuca was amazing, he only, uh, he saved 31 sh- shots, uh, or he, he had 31 saves on, uh, 32 shots, um, what was even more amazing, um, was that the Bruins didn't have any power plays, 
and um, and Toronto only had one. Um, so that it was just it, there weren't that many penalties, which was kind of a weird thing when you think about it. Um, it's kind of incredible when you also think about it. It's just that, like, wait, so you're saying Toronto didn't make any penalties or Boston didn't have as many penalties? It's just it wasn't refed as well. Um, I mean, I can't really complain. They, they just let the players play, so to speak. Right? Yeah, and I can't really complain because the you know the Bruins won. Um, you know, Bert Marchand and Pasternak played really well. Jake DeBrusque, um, how many goals does Matthew Barzell have? I I don't seem to know um, <laughs> on the top of my head. But uh, Jake in the DeBrus- playoffs, zero because yeah. he hasn't played in any. I know that's that's the joke, um, but <laughs> the. Uh, because Jake DeBrusque was picked just before him, and that was, uh, right, yeah. you know, um, the Bruins got killed for that. Um, but, yeah, the, um, I, uh, don't, um, so, yeah, so that was a, that was a, that was like a statement game for everyone, where you're like, oh, well, we won this game at, on the road without Bergeron, one of our best players in the, in the, in our roster, and we still won, so you're like thinking, like, okay, so we'll probably, we could probably win this game, you know, game in game five. Um, I know you don't have Nazem Kadri, but now we we're talking about game five, where um, this is talking about the exact opposite. Tuga, first off, Tugaresk gets pulled, um, like in the first period, because he uh, he couldn't. Uh, get four goal uh, or he gave up four goals and thirteen shots. Um, the uh, the Bruins had six power plays um, and they only capitalized on one. There was even one point where there was four Leafs players on in the box. Um, yeah, so I heard. Yeah, and then um, I mean, I guess and then I guess there weren't as many calls on the Bruins um, per se, but. Um, like, I know that there was, like, Chara, like, was, like, punching Garner or something. Um, Leafs fans are complaining about the refs and saying all that stuff, but they forgot that Did we... Did you think it was well-officiated to begin with? Um, I think, it, I think it just shows how undisciplined the, the Leafs are, um, in general, because almost all the penalties should have been called... I will say though, I feel like the Bruins did get away with some stuff. Um, so I, I, I think that the Leafs fans. You do, thought, have, do you think the consistency of the calls yeah, being made? Was I do. Lacking? I do think the Leafs fans have a point in that aspect of things, but I do think that all the penalties that the Leafs had should have been called. So yeah, um, okay. Um, so I agree with them to an extent. Um, and, okay. And this is from a Bruins fan. Keep yeah. in mind. People. No, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> also, uh, Chara like hit Jake Gardner's face or something, and Jake Gardner got called instead of Chara. Um, so there was that. Yeah, issue. I guess the retaliatory. Yeah. So, so that I can kind of, I can kind of see. But Jake Gardner was also kind of instigated it all. So, um, anyways, um, but um, yeah. So the. It was it was funny too because this game also um, happened to be four one Toronto at one point, um, and then uh, the Bruins were actually pretty close in uh, in uh, winning this game. 
because they got one from Sean Corrali and Noel Achari. Um, in but the they Quaker. made a 4-3, I'm just thinking, yeah. imagine if it happened again. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, so this was one of those games for the Bruins where I felt like we actually should have won this game, especially when we had six power plays. We should have capitalized on that like five-on-three where we had yeah. we were on a five-on-three for like two minutes straight, um, and we should have, um, I just see here that the Flyers just tied it. Um, uh-huh. Andrew McDonald, of all people, got the goal. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, you know, so I feel like the Bruins should have um, at least capitalized. They were... They had like I think they had they had twenty shots on the third in the third period alone, um, which is absolutely amazing. So I feel like um, I don't I'm not too worried about Tuca, um, considering that he basically was a brick wall in Game Four. Um, so he can take his rest in Game Five, but um, you know he better bring it in Game Six, and then I'll and then I'll worry if he if he's actually pretty bad. Um, in Game 6, then I'll be worried for Game 7. But um, just to, <laughs> to get back, this is a, a little bit of a Bruin Sen segment, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, the, uh, I think this game will pro- probably will go to the 7. I fear it. Um, I hate when game... I, I know I said that I love Game 7s at the beginning of the show, but I hate it when I'm when it's my when team. When your team's <laughs> so, in it, yeah. But... Uh, but yeah, I, I'm. I think this game will. I hope it's not. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a feeling this will go to Game Seven because I feel like the Maple Leafs just have a have a way with. Um, they're a good team, you know, so they uh, they can definitely afford to do that. Um, you know, it, it's also kind of like, you know, both teams have been pretty inconsistent too. I feel like, um, you know, both the, the the Bruins look amazing one game and then they. They don't look amazing the next game, and you could say the same for the Leafs, where they look like unbeatable in one game, and then you can't believe that they're even in the playoffs the next game. So, um, so I feel like that lends itself more towards because these are evenly matched teams, um, and I do believe that this will go seven just because they are that even. Yeah, and, and that's why I predicted that to be from the very beginning. I thought yep. this was the most likely series to go the distance that could be decided in overtime of a game seven. I still feel that way. Yep. Uh, but the Leafs still have some work to do because getting back to those game five stats, um, I started uh, following uh, this uh, Twitter page called uh, The Point at PNT Hockey. No one's paying me to say this, but uh, they got a lot of good stats and uh, found a lot of uh, interesting info on uh, the Leafs Bruins series here. Starting with Game 5, the Bruins had 49 slot attempts in Game 5. The Leafs only had 19, so that's a difference of 30. The Bruins had 49 scoring chances in that game. 19 of those came in the final 20 minutes alone when they had 20 shots. Um, I think if the Leafs can limit the Bruins in those categories, or at least a good material, if it's anything less than that, the series is ending in six games and uh, Toronto's season is over. Um, I, I think that Freddie Anderson needs to ask. I think he needs to duel to Garask in order uh, to um, force a game seven. And the one key thing I'm looking for in game six, from a Bruins perspective, 
don't give the Leafs any chance or give them as very few chances that you can afford to give them on uh, uh, stretch pass. Because apparently they've been doing the stretch pass a lot. In oh, fact, yeah. in the first period of game five, uh, the Leafs um, attempted or completed, I can't remember which, nine stretch passes in the opening 20 minutes. So um, if there's if there's one team that's good at utilizing the stretch pass, implementing it to their game, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I think that big that's going to be a big piece of offense that the Leafs are going to turn to. And the Bruins need to find a way to counter that. They need to find a way to limit the amount of chances that the Leafs uh, are going to get because they are going to get their looks on Tuka Rask in Game 6 at some point, and the Bruins have got to be ready for it. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it should. I mean, it. it's kind of weird, though. I feel like each game has been where the either like Boston has dominated or Toronto has dominated. They haven't like been at their true powers at the same time, and I, I have a feeling that in these next two games, um, that's going to happen. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah. Oh, and also I should mention that Bergeron is also ba- was back for Game Five, um, so it looks like he's okay, more or less. Um, I also think, though, before we close. The team that wins Game 6 is going to score first because in Game 4, the Bruins got a fluke goal from Tory Krug like 30 yep. seconds into the game. The Leafs were up 2-0 in the first half of the first period, and yep. that proved to be the difference there. Whoever strikes first in Game 6 and gets the momentum early, it's going to be enough to win that hockey game. And yep. I think if it's Toronto, the Bruins should be very afraid of that. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, the... Uh... The, this Colorado-Nashville series has kind of played out the same way as the Philly-Pittsburgh series has gone, um, where Colorado, um, who was down 3-2, it seemed like it was inevitable that the, the Predators were going to get this in in five. Um, you know, people were even remarking that, I mean, including us, were remarking how it's... Um, you know, we thought this was going to be a sweep, or they were the Preds were going to win in five. Mm-hmm. Turns out, um, the Hamburger has arrived again. Um, if you forget, he was also uh, kind of an add-on in the Duchesne tourist trade, um, and um, you know, uh, so he was one of the guys that um, the the Avalanche received back. In the trade. I find it odd how um, of the three guys involved in that trade, Samuel, uh, or four guys involved in that trade, Samuel Girard, Andrew Hammond, Kyle Turris, and Matt Duchesne. Matt Duchesne's the only one not playing playoff hockey right now. Yeah, it's also funny, too, because I remember Matt Duchesne was saying, like, I can't wait to play playoff hockey yeah. <laughs> as soon as that trade was happening. And now he's just yeah. like, I can't wait for the draft lottery to see who we get. Exactly. Um, but, um... Yeah, so anyways, um, so I'll, I'll try to explain this with, uh, I'm sorry, sorry, Steve, um, but um, so Hammond, I'm actually, uh, it was actually an incredible game, um, the Avalanche, Hammond, I think he stopped like 40 shots, was it right? I th- it was I something like that. I think 44 or 45, at least in the dying seconds. Yeah, 44 or 45. Said. Um, this was also on 420, and we're talking about Colorado here. So, <laughs> yeah, so of course was, they wouldn't lose on 420, right? Exactly. So that was 
Yeah, so Andrew Hammond stopped 40 shots, 44 shots, exactly. Um, but yeah, it was it was incredible. Nathan McKinnon has also kind of proven that he's been um, he's been incredible too. Like he uh, he basically made that he basically made PK Subban uh, trip up, um, and then all Landeskog had to do was just tap it in because um, he just like he uh, he sent a beautiful pass to Landeskog who was right in front of the net, and he just tapped it in. Um, and then a couple minutes later, um, so by the so that tied things up, one one. Um, by the way, the uh, Predators had Nick Bonino, where they kicked in um, the puck, um, and there was a review. And it, I thought it was I thought it was kicked in, um, but they they called that it was an actual goal. Um, it just hit his foot, but like I don't know. I feel like that's a stupid rule when you think about it, because it's like. If you, if you can get your, get something in, like, if you can get the puck in the net, no matter if it's on the stick or not, it should count. Like, you know, even if it's, like, on the head or something, it's just the stupid rule. When you really think about it, it should be, um, it shouldn't be an, a rule, really. Um, it's just that sometimes I think they kind of forget what a distinct kicking motion is. Yeah. Kind of like goaltender interference where we don't know what it is. Anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it's also that thing. It's like, it's not like, like Benino was like winding up his foot to, to kick it in. Right. He just, like it wasn't like a, <laughs> it wasn't like a blunt kicking the puck right. in, right? I mean, it, it, it just happened to hit his foot and it happened to go in. I'm just saying that I don't think I don't see what's wrong with that. It's not like players are going to all of a sudden start kicking the puck instead of using their stick. It's you know what I mean. Um, yeah. <laughs> imagine actually doing that, just like kicking the puck like you're yeah, playing soccer. soccer. Yeah, yeah, playing soccer. Um, so, so that that that's more my issue. I have more of a issue with the actual rule instead of the actual goal itself because it's a stupid rule. Um, but anyways, uh, the the Avalanche scored and they made it two one. Um, Sven Andrew gets that goal and that was a nice play too. Um, but anyways, so the uh, the Preds and the Avalanche played a night. Um, I I this of the four series, this is the one where I like I'm rooting the hardest for the Colorado Avalanche. Like I'm so so ready for the Avalanche. But just because of the story and like the underdog factor of it all, but um, I, I I just don't see it happening. I feel like the Predators are gonna. I feel like that win was a fluky goal, a fluky game. I will give them. I will give the Avs credit for making because we thought this. You know, all these. You know, the Avalanche weren't gonna. You know, we're gonna be swept, but like. Not only that, but they were going to be blown out in all the games. And they've actually managed to keep them somewhat close to each other in almost all of the games, except for maybe, like, the first one and the third. But, or, I mean, in the, yeah, except for the first one, the first game, they've all been pretty close. So, um, so like, it's also impressive considering they don't have Varlamov, they don't have Eric Johnson, they kind of re- uh, they kind of remind me and of now the, they don't have Bernie, they're riding yeah. Hammond now. 
they kind of remind me of uh, the Bruins of last year in the playoffs, where it, like they had all these injuries, but they were still managing to make the, po- the they were still managing to keep everything close together. Um, you know, yeah. they, you can even make the comparison to like, you know, people aren't sure about this coach, and um, you know, he may be coaching for his job, kind of thing. Same way as Bruce Cassidy was coaching for his job last year. Um, where we weren't sure if he was going to be the coach for the next season. Um, so that's a, a similar w- reason. And so, like, anything at this point for the Avalanche is considered a success. Um, I actually think they could win the, the series. I wouldn't be – I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't, like – I'm hoping for it. But I don't know. I feel like it, it's too tall of a task uh, for the Predators – Concerned, they're so filled with depth and everything. Um, and I also kind of want to see a Nashville Winnipeg second round. So, uh, what what uh, what do you think? So, I, I was I was taking a look at uh, at some interesting stats again from uh, from uh, the point that Twitter page I was just talking about. Um, in the first period the, of Game Five, the Avs had. A minute six seconds more offensive zone possession compared to Nashville, yep. but the Preds had an eleven to eight shot advantage, so they were able to make more of their opportunities. And after forty minutes, Nashville is the one holding a fifty-four second advantage in that same stat department. They continue to lead in the shot clock, and then in the final twenty, Nashville gets nineteen shots on goal. They almost have eight minutes of offensive zone possession, but because the Hamburglar was. I guess you could say hi on something. They they right. uh, didn't win the game. Um, but I think if history repeats itself there and the Preds have a game like that in Colorado, I can't possibly see it happening. Um, and, and if that's not convincing enough as to how good of a game Nashville played and how much they deserved a better fate, look at this stat from Yo- Roman Yossi. He had a minute 37 of offensive zone possession time in game five alone. The highest effort by a defenseman in a single game this postseason, 29 seconds more than Brent Burns of the San Jose Sharks, which is absolutely incredible. So if you give Nashville time and space to burn you, they will burn you. It's only a matter of time. But if the Hamburglar can steal another game, I'm really, really nervous if I'm Nashville going back home. Because, yeah, you got the home crowd on your side, but Colorado has got all the momentum in the world. True. And we've also seen this Hamburglar storyline before where a team that has a snowball's chance in hell of making the playoffs all of a sudden go on this massive run. And all of a sudden you see shades of that in a, in a playoff game. Because he hasn't done the playoffs too. The last time he was in the playoffs was in 2015 with Ottawa. He lost games one and two and then they went back to Craig Anderson. And they never went back to Hammond again in that series. Right. So the fact that he's doing this in the playoffs – is even a bigger concern if you're Nashville because he's now doing this in the biggest stage where every single game, every single play matters. And I think that is contagious for a team that no one gave a snowball's chance in hell of doing anything this year, let alone making the playoffs, let alone making the series interesting, let alone having a chance to force a Game 7 in Nashville. Like, this is a team that's, that finished 22 points behind the Preds in the standings. For, and, and these are two playoff teams we're talking about. So Nashville's supposed to win this series, 
But if the Hamburglar steals another game, I'm a bit nervous to find the Preds, and especially considering the fact that I have four players on my fantasy team that are on Nashville and none on Colorado. So Nashville's absolutely got to win this, or I'm screwed. So I'm rooting for Nashville, um, and I I, I want to see this end in six because if it goes to seven, um, the Avs might, might do the unthinkable and pull off the upset. Yeah, um, yeah, they might do it. Um, I know we said our credibility um, is down the tubes if the Avalanche do win this series, but um, at the same time, I'm kind of rooting for this. credibility would be questioned, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's true, too. I, I forgot to mention that. I think everyone has been pr- predicting uh, Preds in five or Preds in four. Even, yeah, so. I think this is probably, of the yeah. first round uh, series, the easiest to predict. So I'm, I'm actually kind of rooting for it at this point because I, I talked to you this off the air, but I, I'm just rooting for chaos. Um, yeah. I just, I, like, when it's, you know, except for the Bruins. Everything else, everyone else, I'm rooting for chaos. Um, yeah. so, um, so I want the Avalanche, the Blue Jackets. Um, I did want the Devils when they were around. Um, but I also, I want the, here's the funnier one. I want the Caps to get past the second round, but lose in the conference finals. So they don't even make it to the Stanley Cup finals, but they get past the second round. Um, so that in itself would be a victory for Washington. Yeah, I mean it would be chaos, but it would be it would be funny that like because like the, the whole like thing is is like oh they can't even get past the second round when it's really like the bigger goal is to make it you know win the Stanley Cup and they. Yeah. They won't so actually. So it's just do like, it. oh, they finally got past second round. Maybe they'll actually go to the finals. Yeah, and, and then they like yeah. lose in the conference finals. I don't even care if it's the if it's the Lightning or the Bruins or the Leafs even. Well, but, yeah, you care if it's the Bruins because you no, want the I, Bruins to win. No, but I mean, like, it, it doesn't. It wouldn't. It doesn't have to be the Bruins. Is my point. Like, that would be my next thing that I would be rooting for if the Bruins were eliminated. Um, <laughs> I think I think the winner of that Bruins Leaf series. Yeah. I really do believe they represent the East in the finals. I really, really? Do. I thought you were a big Tampa guy. Uh, their defense isn't good enough to carry them. I don't think. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, the um, well, I can I can kind of say. I mean, we're kind of going a little bit off the rails here, but yeah. Um, I I'll, I'll just say this though that I feel like. The Bruins, everything, if the Bruins win this first round, I think we can beat the Leafs. But I don't think, the the Lightning are the one team that, like, truly scare me. So, like, anything at that point, like, once we get past this round, anything at that point, it's gravy. I'm not going to be disappointed in this Bruins team. Um, But I do feel like we should win a a round in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Okay. Speaking of eliminated teams um, in Tampa, uh, New Jersey uh, got eliminated by Tampa. Um, Anaheim was swept. L.A. was swept by Vegas, of all teams. And then we also have Minnesota, who was um, eliminated by uh, Winnipeg. Um, I actually don't know if you heard, but Brian Little, when when, uh, they uh, beat the uh, Minnesota Wild, he uh, he was asked... We're go- uh, he was asked, like, um, what are you going to do um, right after? And he said, we're going to celebrate in here for a half hour, then get ready for Nashville, or whoever wins, sorry. So 
even more uh, bulletin board material for Colorado there. But it, it was just so funny, a funny thing where he's like, even even Brian Little thinks that Nashville is is going to win the series. Um, but um, the um, yeah. So, anyways, um, we could go delve into all those series as well. But I think. We're just going to ask, of those four teams, what does their future look like? Um, I think New Jersey and um, New Jersey's future is pretty bright. They're just happy to be there. Um, you know, no one really even expected them to even make the playoffs. So yeah. um, they also have, you know, Nico Heischer, Taylor Hall, who's probably going to be a hard candidate. I'm not necessarily sure what they're going to do with goaltending because Corey Schneider was kind of disappointing or not himself. Um, so they have to work on that. And Sammy Vannon was pretty good for them, but I feel like they need a little bit more on the defensive side. And they might be good, and they may need more depth as well. Um, I was thinking even maybe they could get uh, John Tavares um, with a, a Taylor Hall John Tavares line would be uh, would be pretty scary. Um, I think I think they'd be division contenders if they got Tavares. Yeah, well, uh, you think? Um, but yeah, um, Anaheim, we were talking about this off the air um, as well, but you think that they should trade Corey Perry, um, but at the same time, they do have a... They're, they're a fairly young team besides Perry, Getzlav, and Kessler, because they have Ricard Raquel, who's 24, Silverberg, who's 27, um, you also have uh, Andre Cache, 22, um, Hampus Lindholm, who's 24, Cam Fowler, who's 26, um, John Gibson, who's 24, which is also incredible. Um, so, so they have a lot. They have a pretty young team at their core. I mean, of course, you have Ryan Getzlav, who's 32, and um, you know, and you, but you'll be getting back Patrick Eves, who didn't play all year. Um, and you also, Cam Fowler, who was injured for a bit during the playoffs. So they'll, they'll get them back. And so I think they're on the rise as well. Although I think you do have a point in trading Corey Perry. I just don't know who would want to take him considering he has a no movement clause and he has, um, 8 million point, 8.6 million, um, for four more years, three more years. So, um, so that's just something to think about. Um, I don't know. I <laughs> what uh, I'm looking at uh, the general direction of the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe they'd be willing to take Corey Perry off their hands, assuming yeah. that and I'm willing to eat up some cap space. I do think there would be a perfect landing spot for Corey Perry, but for goodness sakes, he's just making way too much money, and he's not producing not even close to the amount that he's yeah. worth that he's getting paid right now. Like Ricardo Kell's doing more with less money. True, and yeah, and you need and you need the the dollars that Corey Perry's making to be spread out um, across the guys that you're going to have to resign to max deals in the next couple True. of years. Yeah, I feel like Corey Perry just in general has been less like Corey Perry in the last couple of years because he. I think he, it's been more like Bobby Ryan. Yeah, like in he, a sense, it's true. just like he was like a thirty goal scorer that you know a lot of teams would salivate over. Yeah, and now it's just like wow, look at the money he's making and look at all the points he isn't getting. You know, true, and it's also like I just remember like early on in his career he was like the most hated player in the in the league, and now 
Yeah. It seems like no one even cares about him anymore. You know? Uh, Again, in the kinda, perfect spot like yeah. Vegas, for example, I think there is a team, a contending yeah. team, that'd be willing to take a chance on Corey Perry. Yeah, but that's true. I, I, th- I think, I think in Anaheim, his time is winding the down. Only, the I only think, thing, the only I, thing, I I'll, don't think they need to rebuild, but they need to do like a retooling. They need to, yeah. reorganize their funds a little bit. If you get, what I I'm could saying. see that. I just don't know if anyone's going to want to take his contract. Yeah, um, and I think I think Anaheim's going to have to eat up some of the cap space in order to yeah. make it work. That's the thing. And you can say the same for Ryan Kessler as well. He's making a lot of money. I know he was injured for most of the season, um, but yeah. he um, he should be better as well. Um, he was he had, he's making six point eight million. Um, he also has a no movement clause, but like let's see here. His I think his uh, points per game wasn't great during the season. Let me look this up. Yeah, he had 14 points in 44 games um, this season, so that's not good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then I, I, I think getting back to New Jersey, though, you want to know my take on New Jersey. Oh, yes, the fact that they weren't afraid of Tampa's top guns, like Boyle on Sergachev in Game Three, where he goes, "I'm going to bleep and kill you." Right. <laughs> like, there, there, there was no fear in that Devils team whatsoever, and and there were they had like the same amount of slot opportunities as Tampa did the entire yeah. series. They they uh, slightly outshot them. They had slightly more puck possession time as well. So they were right in the thick of things. It's just that Tampa was more opportunistic with their chances. Yep. And you give them enough power play chances, like they did in the second period of Game Five, it's all over. I'm sorry. Yep. But uh, they definitely have a lot to look forward to, a lot to be proud of. Certainly Taylor Hall and Nico Escher having the seasons that they've had, and Corey Schneider ending the season the way they did, is a very good sign. But they need to get better because I think it's the same thing with Minnesota. If they don't improve in the offseason, I think they're going to regress slightly next year. Um, because you better believe the other teams in your division are going to improve. So you need to as well. Yeah, that's true. Um we're going to uh, L.A. here. Um, I feel like this is a team that needs to rebuild and rebuild quickly. Um, they have, um, uh, I mean, of course you have Andre Kopitar, but, and Dustin Brown and Jeff Carter had crazy seasons this year, but they're not going to, I feel like they aren't, um, they aren't going to sustain that. Much longer. I, mean, I do think Dustin, Dustin Brown. Brown and Jeff Carter, if you're going to do a minor rebuild, those are the two names I yeah. look at. But, like, Kopitar and Quick and Dowdy are mainstays. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk uh, trading any of those three. Yep. Um, true. Although, I feel like Jeff Carter still has some left in the tank. Um, I feel like yeah. D- Dustin Brown, I'm not necessarily sure why he, there was a resurgence this year for him. But I feel like you could get something, maybe. Um, because of that resurgence. Um, yeah, it's um, certainly his value is better than it was in previous years. True, yeah. Um, then you also have, I mean, you also have, you know, Toffoli and Tanner Pearson, who are both 25, so they're okay. Um, you just don't have a ton of young guys other than Adrian Kempe. I know they have, um, what's his face, uh, Gabe Velarde um, in, your, in your farm system. Um, and then you also... Uh, but, like, that's pretty much it in terms of prospects for them. Um, and then um, you have Drew Doughty, who's um, going to 
be a UFA in 2019. Um, so you have one more year left of Drew Doughty. And, I, and if you're Drew Doughty, I feel like you might not want to be a part of the Kings um, anymore, just considering that it's not as, um, oh, wow, it's 3-2 Philly, Sean Couturier. Um, but uh, I feel like if you're Drew Doughty, you're not going to, their, their future isn't that bright. Um, I mean, of course you have Kopitar, of course you have Quick, but just this uncertainty of where Dowdy's going to go, I, I personally, I don't think Dowdy want, should stay with L.A. Um, purely because I don't think their future is that great. Um, I would probably go somewhere else if I was Drew Doughty. I do think if you want to win championships and your name is Drew Doughty, I do wonder how many championship caliber windows that the LA Kings have. And I think it's getting less and less every year. You're right about that. But, um, you know, if you want to remain loyal to your organization and you want to do at least contend for a Stanley Cup, at least be in the playoffs every year, I think you're in a pretty good spot. True. But... I definitely would. I, I would test the free agent waters. I really would. Because I, mean, I, I a, think if you're yeah. Drew Doughty, you've done everything you possibly can to yep. over in this position. You've won the Norris Trophy already. You could win it again this year, which we'll talk about later in the He's show. You've won the Cup um, twice. But I, I think if you're Drew Doughty, you've worked hard enough. You've earned this opportunity to get as much money as you want yep. with, with, with whichever team that you want. So I think Drew Doughty's going to take his sweet time and consider his options. If he loves L.A. that much, I think he signs before uh, the new season begins. Yep. But if he sticks around, I think it's more likely he gets traded. Yep. Next, uh, that... that um, Next year's free agency is going to be crazy because you have Eric yeah, Carlson, Carlson. Yeah, Dowdy. Um, you also have uh, Sagan, OEL, um, I think Pecorine as well, Ryan Ellis as well. Those aren't Jeez. huge names but um, as compared to the, all the other ones. But um, Yeah, probably the, one of the strongest free agent classes we've seen in a while. Yeah. The problem is I, I'm sure a lot of them are going to resign. Bobrovsky as well. Let's see here. Eberle, Duchesne. another one, too. Panarin, Couture, Varlamov, Fleury. I said Sagan. Uh, Wheeler. Um, Ekman Larson, I already said. Yeah. And Chara. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, there's there's a lot of... There's going to be a lot of um, interest a lot in of that. Names, yeah. Um, and then the other... The last team that we'll talk about, which I feel like actually does need a rebuild... More than L.A. does um, is Minnesota. Um, I was actually watching this video before of Bruce Boudreaux's playoff career, um, and it, it's just amazing how bad he is in the playoffs. Like he's a phenomenal regular season coach, um, but he's just terrible in the playoffs. I mean, I guess you could make this case that the Capitals are the Capitals and the and the Ducks are the Ducks, but at the same time, like Paul. Um, What's his name? I always say Paul Maurice, but it's it's not his name. Who's the Anaheim Ducks coach now? Um, Brandy Carlisle. Yeah, Carlisle like has been pretty good for them, um, and they won the cup when before uh, before Boudreaux came in. So with the, about the same core, so um, it's not really. I don't think it's a team thing. I think it's it's a Bruce Boudreaux thing. Um, it just seems like I mean, for a while it was like. He can't win game sevens, um, but now it's just like 
you can't win playoff games. Um, but, um, I mean, to be fair, Zach Parise was out. Ryan Suter was out. Um, you know, you didn't, like, this wasn't your normal wild team. Um, but and then I, Parise got hurt again yep. mid-playoff uh, round against the Jets right. as well due well, that, to a broken sternum as well. That's what I was including um, Parise in there. And then but, Suter was hurt. Yeah. Um, so, so, like, I feel like... You do have a good core with Granlin, um, Spurgeon, um, even um, uh, who am I thinking? Oh, Coil and Niederreiter. Coil and Niederreiter, yeah. But like when like your best player is Eric Stahl, <laughs> um, it, who's like thirty three years old. I think you have some issues, and you know. Yeah, and you're, and you're. And that's so, assuming you know, like you could be yeah. like you know this good this year, but yeah. go up against a team like Winnipeg and still be the odd. You could still be the odd team out on yeah. the outside looking in, and you're banking on Eric Stahl to have another year like this yeah. and not make any changes. I'm sorry, you need yeah. to improve this team as well. I and I do believe you're right about Boost Brujo. If they have another first round exit, I think he's gone. Yeah. Um, also, like, uh, I mean, I'm just looking at their cap friendly page and this Zach Parise contract and Ryan Suter contract are scary because they have them, they have like another eight more years basically on their contract. Um, and, and, and they also traded, uh, Scandella and Palmerville in the off season just to make cap room. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's also like Parise seems to always have injury Issues. He's been injured for most of this season and last season as well, and in the playoffs. Um, it is unfortunate because he is a good player. Um, it's just I don't. I feel like he's he might succumb to injuries uh, long term. Um, so I do. I do think uh, Parise would be a good fit. Wink, wink. Vegas on a different team, uh, but again. Getting paid to stay healthy and produce just isn't working well. Right. That that's my main concern. It's just if if Parise can stay healthy, then I think he he is worth that much money. But um, maybe maybe a little bit less, maybe like five million, but um, maybe, certainly not seven point five million. But I still I don't know. I I still don't think I I'm just I'm worried about Parise's future in terms of. Uh, being healthy, because I don't think he's going to be, um, I don't think he's played a full season in a while, so um, so there's that. You also, I mean, I mean the, the Wild do have Luke Kooning, Jordan Greenway, and Joel Erickson-Eck in their system, so yeah. there, there is that, but I don't know, at the same time, it's, um, it's kind of... Um, it's kind of weird to, to think of it like that. So if Kaprizov uh, comes back in the next day, also have sure. him. But I forgot about him too. So I think they should rebuild, but maybe not like blow it up. But um, certainly, uh, maybe consider. like uh, LA, where they just change one or two key members of their yeah. core, get a bit more uh, youth and speed, perhaps. Yeah. Um. So we went through all four eliminated teams. Um. As I mentioned, Winnipeg. And uh, Tampa Bay are off to the next round, but they're just waiting for the other series to go. Uh, there is only one second round uh, matchup that we do know at this point, and that's Vegas and San Jose. Um, 
it's kind of interesting too because they both swept their teams um, and they both basically have a ton of rest. Um, so you can't really make the argument of like, oh, this team's going to be rusty or this, you know, because they're both going to be rusty. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we do know that the Knights and the, the Sharks are going to be um, in the second round, just as we all expected, uh, predicted. Um, I I was surprised that the Ducks were able to, were, like, just folded in the playoffs. Um, and, I don't know, the Kings, the Kings did play their hearts out. Um, Quick was unbelievable in that series, but... Um, it's just, you know, uh, <laughs> I think Vegas I think, is just better. I think if I saw uh, correctly, uh, according to Complete Hockey News, yep. that he recorded uh, the best goals against and the best save percentage yep. of a losing goalie in a series. Right. Wow. That's amazing. Um, but, yeah, so, like, as for Vegas, I, I've i stopped making sense of it all. Um, You're just enjoying it now. I'm just enjoying the ride, exactly. So... I will be rooting for Vegas, but they do have tough co- competition with San Jose. They might get Joe Thornton back. Uh, Vander Kane has been like a, a breakthrough for them. Um, so I was dead wrong on that trade. Um, but, yeah, it looks like um, that should be a fun series, though. I think it's going to come down to bottom six production in that series. I yep. mean, you look at Marcus Sorensen, three goals on five shots in round one. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's that's nuts. That's 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 incredible. Yep. Uh, I think offensively they're evenly matched. Defensively they're evenly matched. Martin Jones and Mark Andre Fleury, like you said, both had stellar first rounds. Um, and I, I think it's just going to come down to bottom six production. Whoever gets the most out of their third and fourth lines, I think, is going to prevail in this series. I think it goes seven games as well. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Sharks win, but a part of me wants Vegas to win and keep yep. it going. But. Um, yeah, it's it, it's going to be a tough series to call that one. Yeah, I think that will probably go seven, but we'll see. Um, rapid fight because they both kind of beat their team, kind yeah, of. Yeah, both both swept their California opponents. Yeah, but like in a similar way too. Um, yeah, just, and both of those opponents, yeah. like you know, no big deal, have made it to the conference finals multiple times. Right, and the King won two cups in this decade. So true. They, they obviously didn't make it here by accident. No. Um, let's go to the rapid fire. So these this first two news items kind of have to go together. Um, Glenn Goldson fired from Calgary, and um, Peters Bill Peters is leaving Carolina. Um, there has this isn't official yet, and it might happen as soon as you're listening to this because there it might be announced tomorrow or on Monday. Um, but just so you know, it's not official yet, but it looks like Bill Peters is going to be the coach for Calgary. Um, that's not official yet. Um, but I guess both these news, Goldson kind of, yeah, um, it makes sense. Calgary should be in the playoffs. And I think the coach was a big reason why, um, that was the case. Um, kind of a similar, I I feel like this is a lat, if this actually happens, this is a lateral move. Um, uh, but we'll talk more about that um, next week if it is official. Um, I don't know. I thought, I thought you know, when you fire a coach like Gullitson who, yeah. you know, stick tossing and yelling at his players aside to get him motivated, and that doesn't work. I thought 
I thought maybe like a veteran voice like Vigneault would be good, especially when you can a former bench boss and Dave King with another assistant coach and you're just automatically thinking, okay, they're going to bring in Vigneault. They're going right. to tell him you can hire whoever you want to be on the bench with you. And yeah. uh, let's start this because all the pieces are there for Vigneault to succeed. There's nothing new to add. Yeah. He just needs to coach the darn team to win. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think I thought Vigneault, that'd be a good place for, for Vigneault, but yeah. uh, I guess I guess Bill Peters wouldn't be a bad option either. I don't know. I feel like Bill Peters hasn't proven anything in Carolina. I mean, sure he has. Yeah, you know, like they kind of Carolina and Calgary kind of remind me of a similar team. Like they they have great forwards, they have great defense, and then their goalie just stinks. So I don't know if Peters will be able to. To do that in Calgary, if that is the case, I do agree with you that I think AV would be a better choice uh, for Calgary. Um, yeah. So I also I also think in a way um, the uncertain future with Brad Living has kind of played a role in this because I'm sure if I, I'm I'm wondering if this would be Living's choice or Flames ownership choice. Mm-hmm. Like not saying that it is. I'm just. Thinking from a conspiracy theory point of view, yeah, it's it's just like you know if you're if you're if your GM job is on the line, maybe you should consult with ownership before you hire someone, right? Especially considering when you don't know what your future lies within. So they're probably so you, you might have gone to ownership and just said, hey, do you want Vigneault or do you want this Bill Peters guy? If they say we'll go with Bill Peters, like okay, we'll hire in this guy then. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering how much uh, say the rest of the Flames ownership group had in this True. because I think the ideal choice would be to hire a Vigneault unless they know something that we don't, which yeah. is probably true. Yeah, we'll we'll know more soon if it is official. I I feel like you were right. We sh- we shouldn't talk too much about this because it's not official yet. So yeah. we don't know yet. Um, it looks like it is going to happen, but we're not a hundred percent sure. But we'll talk about it. If it is official, maybe that is next week. Maybe that's in two weeks. We'll see. Um, the rumor, by the way, that we got it from Pat Steinberg, um, uh, a media analyst uh, in Calgary, or, or uh, a member of uh, the Sportsnet uh, radio station in, uh, in Calgary. Uh, that's where we got it from, uh, was from Pat Steinberg. So uh, he says on at some point on Monday, probably the announcement will be made. All signs are pointing that it's Bill Pierce. So, in case you're wondering if we got it from some fake news source, we got it from an actual media. Right. Guy. So, come uh, yeah. back down if you think otherwise. <laughs> um, Vezina Trophy uh, were announced. Um, Connor Hellebuck, Pekka Rene, and Andre Vasilevsky. Um, I didn't have a problem with Rene and Hellebuck um, per se. Um, I thought that Flurry should have been nominated um, instead of Vasilevsky um, or uh, John Gibson. Bobrovsky is another one. Um, even um, what's this? Even like Ranta for even, but um, yeah, I just I don't. I feel like just the fact that Vasilevsky didn't, you know, fa- kind of faltered at the end of the season. There, um, yeah. that kind of. Um, makes it worse for him. I think there should be more... I mean, I guess you could make the case for all three of these teams that, like, there should be more of a case for, um, like, individual effort. Like, you should pick a goalie who's good on a bad team instead of, like... Because Nashville, Tampa, 
and Winnipeg are all stacked on forwards. Um, you know, and if and any of these goalies are having a bad game, they're all, you know, they're more than likely going to, like, their team is going to pick them up because they are that good yeah. up front. So I do have a bit yeah, of a like problem. Maybe like a, like yeah. a most underrated goaltender yeah. or something like that. Where, whereas I feel like for Gibson and Bobrovsky, um, like, if if they suck, their team is in trouble. Like, you know, there is no way they can come back from that. Um, you know, and that's kind of why I felt like Carey Price was so good back when, in his prime, um, you know, was because that was all that Montreal had. Um, and, you know, you could say the same for Holtby as well to an extent. Um, so it's uh, so I feel like they should give more credit to Gibson where the Ducks had, were, were just like had so many injuries throughout this entire season. Um, I guess it does hurt that Ryan Miller was also pretty good, too. Yeah, when, when Ryan Miller played, <laughs> yeah. he was great as well. But, yeah, there were times where but, he's, like, facing 40 to 50 shots yeah. a game. You're right. Where they True. lean heavily on him, and he delivered. Yeah. And Bob Brodsky is another I think one. if he would have played more games, he'd be in the conversation. Same with Flurry. Yeah. I think Bobrovsky can make a strong case for him because you're right. Without him, uh, especially earlier in the season when Columbus struggled to score yeah. and their power play wasn't that good, I definitely think um, uh, if it was – one of those first half of the season kind of things, but Brodsky would be in the mix too. But when you consider that Rene Hellebuck and Vasilevsky have all got 40-win seasons, and two of the three, you know, would be maybe dead in the water without them, uh, I really do think um, that this is the best top three they could have come up with. I'm sure you can make a lot of case for like three or four other goalies, and that's great because – you know, in the late nineties, like, it was a three horse race between Hashik, Brodeur, and Wah. And now you got like seven or eight goalies. You could say, "Well, you can make a case for this guy to win." True. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, I not, I don't want to discredit Rene Hellebuck or Vasilevsky because they did play really well and they did have an effect on their team success. But at the same time, I feel like there's so many other goalies that had to do so much more than than those three. Um, yeah, I, you're right. Yeah. You're right. And Gibson, Gibson and Bobrovsky yeah. are definitely in that in that uh, group of goalies. Yeah. That and there's had. a couple of goalies that I feel like if they played a little bit more games, um, then I think they could be considered Flurry, um, who only played 46 games, um, Luongo, who played 35, Chuka, who played 54, although I guess Chuka is hurt because of his first half. Um, he was pretty bad. But um, Jonathan Quick was, is also another one, although he played 64 games. Um, he should he could uh, should have been nominated as well. So uh, Varlamov, 51 games. Um, even like Mike Smith, 55 games. Um, and had a, de- a decent... I think down the, down the stretch, though, yeah. that hurt his chances, though. True. His play down the stretch didn't help. Yeah, but I mean, he was injured. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. He wasn't himself. You're right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think there. You're right, though. There are a fair amount of goalies that you could pick from. Um, I think this year. was, uh, and and you know, you wonder like with Pecorino being in there, it's just like, well, Nashville's got the best top four in the league. I think this is the the voters' way of saying. Pekka, if it you're going to win it at any point in your career, it's this year. Yeah, because I I, I don't see him putting up these kind of numbers again. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I also think this could be like, like to make up for his um, his playoff performance last year. Like they're like, oh, he should get nominated because he played so well in the playoffs, or something like that. But um, we're going to the Norris Trophy, and um, so this is Victor Hedman, PK Subban, and um, Drew Doughty are the three here. This is kind of interesting because this might be the first year where the top point scorers for defensemen aren't um, actually nominated. John Carlson wasn't nominated, who had the most defensive points yeah. um, with 68. Uh, Brent Burns and John Klingberg had 67. Ghost Bear had 65. And then you have Hedman, um, who uh, was fifth. Um, and with 63, so he has the most points, um, but, and then you have Daddy who had 60, and then PK who had 59, but, like, you're disregarding Carlson, Burns, Klingberg, Ghost Bear, and Carlson, so, um, and Tory Krug, even, um, but, uh, so, that's, um, I, I mean, I, I know the Norris isn't all about, um, you know, offense and that stuff, although it kind of has been the previous couple of years, but um, it seems kind of uh, crazy that that's, um, that's the case, where John Carlson isn't nominated even. So, I don't know. Again, maybe make the case for a best offensive defenseman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like they should make the best offense. They should make a separate award for best offensive defenseman and then best defensive defenseman. Although, if you do the best defensive defenseman, then that's all like shut shut down defenseman, and I don't know how you really quantify that. I guess you could do like Mark Mathod and Mark Edward Vlasic every year. Um, <laughs> also, am I the only one that's wondering where the heck is Seth Jones? Oh yeah, Seth Jones. Is because I, I I I would have liked to see him get a little bit more love in this group, but. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I've, we didn't do a predictions for each of these ones. So for the Vezina, do you have Rene winning this? Uh, oh, man. Um, well, I'll, I'll yes. say. I think it's going to be between Hallebuck and Rene. And I, I, I think Rene beats him out. Okay. I think. I think Hellebuck and Vasilevsky are going to be regulars on this list for years to come. Yep. Uh, but I, I want to see Pekka win it this year. I do love Hellebuck just because he's he was my MVP for most of my fantasy teams. But <laughs> I have a, I also I also traded Pekarine um, early on in the season, so I I, uh, I have so a this, this, little this, vitriol. So you're just like I trade you Pekka. Yeah. But, I'll, so, but you got my vote. So I'll I have I I have a feeling Rene is gonna win, but I'm rooting for Hellebuck to win it. Um, Norris, um, just purely for out of pride, um, <laughs> the Norris Trophy. Um, I'm going with Hedman. I think um, it feels like he should get more recognition, um, but it's I don't know. It might go to Dowdy, just because or I don't know. It would be interesting if it went to Subban given how Montreal is now uh, terrible on defense. So that would be fun. Oh, speaking of defense. Well, you, you, 
Sorry, go you on. look at to the kind of the kind of year that Doughty had. Uh, he logged over twenty two hundred minutes this year. Yep. Average ice time of twenty six fifty per game. Uh, is the Kings' defense allowed a league low two hundred three goals? He's been a big part of that. Yeah, and his ten goals, fifty assists, and sixty points are career highs. So, um, yeah. it's or at least at least a couple of those categories. Sixty points for sure is a career high. So, True. um. I think the fact that Doughty had a career year, it's you can make a case for Edmund and Subban, but I think Doughty's probably going to win it. Um, speaking of the Canadians, um, Akbar's Kazan, which was the team that Markov was on, um, yeah. is uh, won the uh, the 2018 Gregarian Cup over C-Scott oh, wow. Moscow. So there was that. Um, and also, um, this is just he announced... Matt Barzal, uh, Brock Besser, and Clayton Keller are your 2018 Calder Trophy finalists. Yeah, it's probably the most captain obvious list yeah. they can come up with. I, w- I was hoping for McAvoy, but I think that injury at the end of the year was probably uh, a yeah. big reason why. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about that next week, or might as well give our predictions now? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Barzal. It's all yeah, because. Because Bozer was injured. Once Bozer was injury, injured, it's it was all over for the Calder race, where it's just bars all. So, um, so there's that. But um, I, I kudos to Brock Besser because he was the best Canuck player um, at the time. But um, and Barzal was pretty close. But I, I think he, um, yeah, I don't think Barzal. Did you know what? Um... Barzell did with a guy like Everlane, a guy with Andrew Ladd, both of whom didn't play their best, and the fact that both of them had pretty decent years, and that Barzell was able to get like 70 or 80 points and the most assist by a rookie in a season since Crosby, yeah. pretty much says all you need to know. Like, <laughs> like, like Keller turned it up in the second half. Brock Bester was a beast for the Canucks all year. Yeah. But then there's Matt Barzell on a different playing field. Yeah, and good like, for... It, it, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get it. Yeah, and good for... Just based on how he played. Good for Clayton Keller to be the, uh, the first, you know, the um, to pick things up. It seemed like he picked things up late in the year um, to be nominated. I thought he was, early on in the season, I thought he was actually going to win the, the Keller Trophy before the season. But, um, yeah, Matt Barzell definitely deserves it, yeah. Yeah, eighty-five points in eighty-two games. So there's that. I think there would. I think there would be a bigger debate if Barzell wasn't as good um, as he turned out to be this year. Sure, I sure. really do think it would have been a two-horse race between Keller and Barzell, and it would be a coin toss. But okay. Barzell just took it to another level. Yep. Um, Selkie, uh, Bergeron, Couturier, and Kopitar. Um, yeah, this is. I was hoping that I thought that Barkov would be nominated here. But I guess you can't really go wrong with these three, especially with what Couturier is doing now in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I thought Barkov deserves some recognition uh, for his defensive offensive play. Um, yeah, this is another one where it's kind of a silly award because it's like, what does this even mean? A defensive forward? It, it always goes to the center. Um, so why don't they have like a, the best defensive winger? Or, you know, it's just. Um, it is a little pointless. Although I do love that Bergeron gets his recognition every year. So um, I think this is Bergeron. 
I know Bergeron missed a couple of games, but um, I think he um, he's going to win this one uh, this year. Uh, uh, I I think I think that uh, any other year would be Bergeron, but you look at Kopitar and how he was able to turn it up offensively, and not only that, but uh, lead all King Swords in shorthanded ice time per contest. On yep. their on the NHL's top ranked penalty kill, and to still get ninety points, it's hard to say no to that. And it's really really hard to do that when you consider how okay. consistently good Patrice Bergeron has been. But yeah, I guess you're right. Kopitar just had such a good year. I can't go against him. Yeah, I guess you're right. They did have Kopitar. I just saw that Kopitar had ninety two points in eighty two games. Yeah, um, it's tough. It's tough to argue that it really is. Right. Well, as I much just, as I like Bergeron. Well, because I'm thinking that, like, Bergeron had, like, you know, this was the first time in a while that he had, like, over 30 goals. But, yeah, you're right. Kopitar, yeah. I just looked at Kopitar's stats. Um, and I think so. much like uh, the McAvoy injury, I think the fact that the Bruins played so well without Bergeron um, kind of hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I guess. Um, but, I mean, it, it is a defensive forward kind of thing, but yeah, you're right. Um, I, 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 I think it, it's safe to say that Bergeron and Kopitar are going to be nominees for this award every single year. I, I mean, they always are. <laughs> um, <laughs> it used to be like Bergeron, Taze, and Datsuk, and then Taze kind of took a downturn, um, and then also Kopitar, and then Kopitar got into the mix, so yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I changed my mind. I think it's going to be Kopitar now that I looked at the actual stats. Um, but again, like, the Selkie isn't, like, the best, the most points. It's the, like, who plays defense. So I feel like, I think, uh, doesn't Bergeron have a better face-off percentage or something like that? Um, um, I Taking a look at his uh, numbers, he plays 6 in the NHL in face-off win percentage, 57.3%, minimum 750 face-offs taken. A league best fifty eight point three percent compared to Kopitar. Fifty face offs taken. So. What is that compared to Kopitar? I'm uh, not quite sure, but uh, that's a pretty good stat according to NHL.com. So I'll take it that Bergeron had a good year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think that's the only case that you can make for Bergeron is that this is like, you know, if he he was a better face off guy than Kopitar, um, yeah. then I think it then it goes to Bergeron, but. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It will come close because 90 points are with the, and he is, Kopitar is good on defense. I think that matters or something. Um, I think for the most part, they're just like a carbon copy of one another. Just like, yeah, great, great good guy to put shorthanded, but great point per game player as well. True. Although like, shouldn't Kop like, I wouldn't be surprised if Kopitar gets nominated for the heart. Um, even, yeah, so. I, I could see Kopitar getting uh, nominated for the Hart Trophy. I could see that. Yeah. Um, Lady Bing, um, Barkov, Carlson, and O'Reilly. Um, this always seems to be the like the like the one where it's like the the best play, the best forward who doesn't have as many penalty minutes. Um, <laughs> it's also. Funny I mean, that they might as well call it the Mister Goody Two Shoes Award because that's basically yeah. what it is. But like, it's it's it is funny that Ryan O'Reilly's off here based off his <laughs> comments last uh, last week. But uh, um, 
But yeah, this may just be like in consolation for Barkov not getting the Selkie um, instead. So we'll see. Um, the master. A couple inter- couple interesting stats here, by the way. Uh, Barkov led the NHL with five shorthanded goals, his so 78 points, the most by a Panther since 06, 07. O'Reilly had 1,274 faceoff wins, the most by any player since the NHL officially began tracking the stat in 97 and 98. Um, and also, William Carlson scores over 40 goals, only takes six minor penalties. Oh. Um, and then we have the Masterton, which is kind of a another one of those, I, w- I don't want to say useless stats, but it should be it should be more defined. Um, instead, like it's, it's always like, so Brian Boyle, he defeated cancer, um, and he was able to play. And then the other two nominees are Roberto Luongo and Eric Stahl, who both just came Jordan back. Stahl, Jordan Stahl. What did I say? You said Eric. I thought it was Eric Stahl. Oh, it is nope, Jordan. Jordan. Um, but like, instead I feel like, Oh, yeah, you're right. It is Jordan Stahl. I thought it was Eric Stahl. Um, I actually did think it was Eric Stahl. That wasn't meant to be a typo. Um, but that's right, because Jordan Stahl lost his uh, his kid, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, that was on the kind of the same level as what Eric Carlson was going through. And um, Brian, yeah. Um, but uh, I, feel- I, I think from, from day one, like before any other storyline appeared, that's what everyone was pointing too. It's just like, okay, that's the storyline for the Bill Masterton. It's, it's yeah. this, it, this guy's winning it. Right, because Boyle, he was diagnosed with chronic myeloid leukemia. I'm right. I'm yeah, rare form of leukemia, yeah. A, a type of bone marrow cancer. Uh, I think they found it like training camp or something like yeah. that. The other thing is he was th- he's 33 years old, so it's not like he could like, you know, he like he's like a young chicken, you know? He's yeah, just, not a spring chicken that can bounce back up. Right, so, right. Yeah. But he still had, um, he had 13 goals and 10 assists. Uh, Luongo was battling injuries for much of the season. Um, and then he also spoke up uh, during the the Parkland shootings. Um, and that was, uh, I think that was a big reason why. And then we just announced that Jordan Stahl and his wife, um, announced their daughter was delivered, stillborn, um, but he still managed to have 19 goals and 29 assists. Um, I still feel like the this award should go rather towards players who came back or bounced back. Um, yeah, comeback player of the year kind of thing. Yeah, like so that should be like a sep- something like that. That should be a separate award rather than perseverance. Um, yeah, per se. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think, especially on on these circumstances as yeah. well. Like you have, you have two really somber stories to to talk about, and and one story of you know battling through injury, like mm-hmm. two completely different things. Yep. Um, so that's it for us in terms of all the awards. Um, I do want to mention a couple of things that you didn't. I, I I'm just looking here. That Elias Pettersson, who is the uh, Vancouver Canucks prospect, and he was their first round draft pick last year. Yeah. Um, he just broke the record for most points by an under twenty player in the SHL playoffs. Um, wow. So 
Um, so that's pretty good. He had 19 total points in uh, in 10 in 13 games. Uh, 10 of those were goals, nine assists. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, and Vancouver's uh, future is pretty bright, so that's something to look forward to um, if you're a Canucks fan. Um, and then um, there was another thing that I was going to say. Vax Joe Lakers are the 2018 Swedish champions, um, which is kind of to, on that note because that's where Elias uh, Pedersen plays for. Um, so that's, yeah. that's pretty good for him. Um, and, oh, and the, uh, the Flyers are up 4-3, um, almost the end of the second period. So no, they're not. Is it 4-4? No, more. yeah. Minute, less than a minute left in the period, oh. I just saw it, it's 4-4 now. Oh, because I, <laughs> did that just happen? Because I was, okay. I checked on Google, it says 4-4. Okay. Unless they, you know, are going to disallow a goal. Yeah, no, I just, seconds. I just refreshed it because I had, I had it, the window open, and I guess I just refreshed yep. it. And... Yeah, four, four, end of two. Okay, Couturier has two goals, yep. um, as well. So, um, yeah. Also, I... also before we wrap up, I want to mention. Guess what next weekend is, Brett? Um, the draft lottery. Yep. <laughs> so we're gonna find out. Who has uh, the chance to select first overall? Um, and even I, the second overall is kind of cool, too, because you have Stevikov. You, you can chime in on this, but I'm going to make my top three picks. I say the Sens win the third lottery, and they pick third. I think Boston goes second overall, and I Boston? think Arizona gets the first pick. Boston goes second? No. So, Ottawa's third. Buffalo is second. Oh, you said Boston. <laughs> Did I say I said Buffalo? I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe Boston. I could be wrong. Anyways, Ottawa third, Buffalo second, Arizona first. Okay, Arizona first. Yeah, I, 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 I've, as you know, I'm too concerned with the playoffs to actually make a prediction. I just hope that the only two there, there's only three teams that I hope don't get Darlene, Um and that yeah. is. Uh, can, I, Mon- can I guess who they are? Yeah. I think you will know, but yeah, guess. Montreal. Yep. Um, Montreal, Chicago. Yep. Edmonton. Yep. <laughs> Every other team I wouldn't mind necessarily. Although I, I wouldn't, considering that Ottawa, Buffalo, Detroit are in my division, I... I would care a bit about that, but at the same time, it's just, I, I, I hate Montreal more than anything, so I, I just don't want Montreal to get it. Especially considering that they traded away PK and Sergachev, and they, they're they like, they absolutely need a defenseman. Um, it would be, it would just be, a, it would be, I would be so pissed off if they actually won the lottery, got lucky, and just won the lottery because they happened to get, you know, <laughs> they lost all their defensemen. Um, I think, I think uh, as a sense fan, I wouldn't like that either. I especially yeah. wouldn't like it if Chicago and Edmonton, Edmonton probably is at the top of the list for me. Yep. Because, like, you just, you just think there's no way they're going to win another lottery, yeah. and then they do. Yeah, and, sh- and, and they, 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 
they shouldn't even deserve to win any more lotteries. Yeah. Like they got McDavid, they got Drysdale. What more True. could they possibly want? Right. That that's the they real reason. Just because. Yeah, that's the real reason for Edmonton. It's just because like they're so lucky already. You know yeah. that in this in this lottery that it's just like it's unfair if they get Darlene. Um And then Chicago for a similar reason. It's just because. They, but like the opposite, I guess, because they've yeah, won recently. They, they, but one year they're bad, and they get Rasmus yeah. Dallin. They like, deserve to suffer more. Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't mind Arizona, New York, even Ottawa. I feel like you're more chipper when the, I, the Senators I would love to see it. have hope. I would love to see Shabbat, Dallin, and Carlson on the same team. That would be sweet. Um, um, but I, I really think that who they take on draft day hinges – at the future of Eric Carlson. Yep. So I'm still kind of nervous if they win the lottery or not. True. Um, I, I don't know which I would take. Yeah, honestly. I'm still not sure if, I mean, we're, I mean, we're going off the, a little bit off the rails, but I feel like if Darlene, if the Sens get Darlene, I'm st- like, I've been thinking about this back and forth. It's like, if they get him, then I guess they could afford to trade Carlson. But at the same time, you kind of want that mentor type. So maybe yeah. they keep him uh, for a bit, just for a year. Absolutely. Um, so so there could be a chance there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, the uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, we're on. Uh, check our Twitter. Uh, Steve's been doing a great job on our Twitter account, um, and we also have. Um, at, or sorry, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Um, our Facebook, we don't really update it that much, but, you know, if you want to be updated on our, on our episodes every week, um, we, we post that every, every week. Um, that's on our Facebook. We're back on SoundCloud, um, and, um, you'll get updated on our Twitter and our Facebook, uh, when new episodes come up. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. I'm, I'm Brett Duboff. Enjoy the playoffs, everyone. I'm Steve Ellsworth with the Talk Again, episode 123. We'll be neck deep into the second round by then, and more awards to cover as well, and maybe a coaching hiring or two as well. Yeah, it's we'll the Lace Up Podcast.